Okay, it's something that I need to do more of, and that is check the rain gutter. Clean them out once in a while. Not like every 10 years, like some people. And I'm not, I, hey, I, I can't even begin to tell you when I checked the rain gutter last, but a bit of a discovery in Millwoods. And uh, this goes back to the fall of 2022 when a resident in Millwoods, Doug Olson, heard a large thunk on his roof. Didn't think much of it at the time, but earlier this spring, cleaning out the gutters, he discovered a small gray and black rock. So he wasn't sure what that was, so he took it to uh, the U of A meteorite expert, Chris Hurd, who's joining us on the show today. Hello, Chris. Hi, how are you? Fine, thank you. So, what was it? Uh, it's a meteorite. Classic. Wow. How, how, how does one of these just land on your roof and then roll into the rain gutter, Chris? <laughs> well, it, it falls from the sky. I mean, it's, it's had quite a journey. Um, in this particular case, we're talking about a, like a size of a pebble. 33 grams was the total weight. Okay. So not very big. Uh, if it was bigger, it probably would have done more damage. It probably would have punched through the roof. Yeah. And maybe even into his house. I was going to uh, ask it about just that. that thunk. Yeah. So, uh, so he, he looked at it and figured, well, this doesn't look like it should be here. So he comes to you guys and you must have been shocked. Or were you? Well, I was, yeah, because, you know, 99.9% of all the photos that people send me of rocks are, are big old earth rocks that I think are meteorites. <laughs> so when I got this particular photo from him, I knew right away that uh, this was the real deal. Now, did people actually see this or did this just fall? Like, sometimes I have this vision of it streaking across the sky. Anybody see anything that would maybe remotely suggest that maybe that's a little more than just a simple rock? Not that we can tell. I think not that anybody reported or anybody saw. Um, I think the reason for that is because it's a small rock to begin with. Okay. And and the way we understand these things is that, you know, they start off as larger rocks when they hit the top of the atmosphere, and then there's a fireball as it comes through. And then if anything's left over at the end, that's your meteorite. Um, that can be most of the rock. In this case, the smaller the rock that hits the atmosphere, yeah. the smaller the fireball. So because this ended up being a small rock at the very end, you know, maybe it wasn't all that big to begin with and didn't give off all that much light. And it was also in the afternoon. So when it's, whenever you know, the sun's shining, any kind of fireball like that is going to get lost in, in just the daytime sky. Chris, to put this into perspective, if this doesn't hit the roof but hits Doug Olson, what does it do to Doug? Uh, that size, it, uh, it would probably uh, cause some injury. Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. Now the uh, it would smart a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> just to try to put it into perspective for people, uh, the uh, how often does this happen in the province of Alberta? How often do people see or not see, and they stumble across something like this? Well, we have the highest number of recovered meteorites of any province at eighteen, um, and that's partly because of. of fireballs that are seen at nighttime, you know, okay. bright fireballs and things falling to the ground and being recovered or people, you know, plowing it up in a field or something like that. That's has to do with land use and just kind of where we are. Um, but you know, the, the, this doesn't happen very often at all. And the last time that anybody witnessed it, the fall of a, of a meteorite was 1977 when the industry industry meteorite fell east of Edmonton. Yeah. That one we've heard about I find it amazing that of all the provinces that we've discovered the most, is that because people just turn them in more than any other province or they just, some provinces they look at them and they go, eh, no big deal. <laughs> no, I think it's, it's partly the land use that we have here in Alberta. It's, 
it's ranching, farming, um, open spaces, you know, so that when yeah. there is a fireball that, that falls, it's easier to find the any rocks that might, you know, that might result, any of the meteorites. And also, like I said, land use, uh, traditionally, you know, a few of the meteorites found in Alberta have been plowed up in farmers' fields as they're clearing their fields. Um, so just luck, mostly. Yeah. There's 18 of these. Do we name them? Yeah, there are names for all of them, and that's part of the process. That's that's kind of what we did when Doug brought in the rock in the spring, is that we took a, a piece off the end that, be, that becomes part of the U of A's meteorite collection as what's called the type specimen, and then we, we analyzed the, that piece, and we could classify it, could tell what type of meteorite it is, and then put forward the name for it. In this case, we chose the name Minnesota. Okay. Is there a reason for that? Oh, sorry. <laughs> yeah, of course there is. Um, <laughs> the reason is because that's the neighborhood ah. in Mill Woods where, where, uh, where it was found. Um, meteorites are named after the location where they, they are found. And Edmonton was already taken uh, because the Edmonton meteorite was found in the 1930s. Um, so you can't reuse a name for, uh, for a location. So we went, we went with the neighborhood instead. I'm going to veer. Let's go back to 1930. Where did that one land in the city? Do we know? Um, on the road to Nemeo at the time. Ah. I think it's a Walmart parking lot today. <laughs> nice. Hey, you uh, you pointed out that the University of Alberta has this meteorite collection. I, I never knew about this. Uh, can people actually see this stuff? We have some of the meteorites on display, especially ones from Alberta. They're on display in the basement of the Earth Sciences Building. Um, at least Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Most Monday, Wednesday, Fridays, uh, 8.30 a.m. to 4 or 4.30 p.m. You need to market this stuff because I, I didn't know it existed. And the other thing, too, because we've discovered so many here, this has got to be the biggest collection anywhere in, in the country, i got to think. It's the biggest in a university. Uh, we're, we're third in the country after uh, the National Collection in Ottawa and okay. uh, the, the Royal Ontario Museum Collection in Toronto. So we're right up there. Okay, now I get to ask about you. How long have you been doing this for? 20 years now in this in this role as a professor and the curator of the collection yeah and uh, we've only found 18 in the province what do you do when we're not finding them <laughs> well we study them yes i know these and other other meteorites we we analyze them with all the great tools we have here on campus and and elsewhere with collaborators and uh, we just learn more about the geology of the of the objects that they originally came from whether they're asteroids or samples from mars or the moon well, let's talk about the breakdown here a little bit. What is there one common key element that you find in most of these, or is it just wildly different? There, there's quite a bit of variety. Uh, this meteorite, Menasa, is what's called ordinary chondrite, and as the name implies, it's a fairly common type. It's still interesting because it's from an asteroid or asteroids in the asteroid belt between Mars and Jupiter. So this little rock had quite the journey to get here. And the particles inside, the minerals inside, date right back to the beginning of the solar system, the stuff that the solar system's made out of four and a half billion years ago. So it's the oldest rock that we have available to us, way older than anything that the Earth produces. Wow. So if you hear a big thunk on your roof, it's either Santa or potentially a meteorite. Now, the, the thing that I'm kind of curious about is that if it's so small, how much of this stuff falls, do you think, like, and gets through the atmosphere? Is this a rare case or is this more common than we would imagine? Well, you know, I've heard estimates uh, of, you know, maybe something the size of a softball making it to the surface of the Earth somewhere every few days. Wow. But that's the entire Earth, and the Earth is two-thirds covered with water, and, and you know, we don't live, humans don't live on every 
you know square inch of the surface so the the likelihood of something being witnessed to fall or even you know hitting a structure let alone a person but hitting a structure like this is really really rare um i mean honestly if he hadn't hit the roof and he hadn't been there folding laundry upstairs who knows right it probably would have just been missed hey could you break down what a meteorite is as opposed to a meteor or an asteroid that kind of stuff Sure, yeah. I mean, asteroids are these objects that orbit the sun. Uh, most of them are between Mars and Jupiter. We get pieces get knocked off of those and make their way in towards the Earth. Yeah. And then when, when a rock like that goes into the Earth's atmosphere, the light that you see from it is a meteor or like a bright meteor is called a fireball. Okay. Um, when that light comes off from friction. And then if anything's left at the end of that, that's a meteorite. Gotcha. So that the, rock, the actual rock that makes it to the ground is, is a meteorite. Fun stuff. Thanks for joining us this afternoon. Really, uh, really enjoyed the chat, Chris. I did as well. Thank you. All right. And, and I'm happy Doug Olson is okay in Millwoods, too. That's important. Yeah, me too. And yeah. check those rain gutters. That's all I'm going to say. Thanks, Chris. We'll talk to you again at some point. Yeah, you're welcome. All Thanks. right. There you go. Dr. Chris Hurd, professor, faculty of science, earth and atmospheric sciences at the University of Alberta.